1: Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, a church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in a new series called The Faith that's based on the book of Titus, a very short letter from the Apostle Paul written to Titus but packs a lot with a hot topic for today on leadership. Pastor Sean will tell you how to know if you're an effective leader, and thank God there's no Yelp page to judge us. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free, but if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. Today is part one of the message called Calling All Leaders. Pastor Sean is in Titus chapter one, starting in verse five. It's time for Reaching for Real Life.
2: Well, we're going to continue the series of discussions that we began last week out of the book of Titus. If you want, you can turn in your Bibles to Titus chapter 1. I encourage you to follow. We have some scripture there in the notes, in the bulletin, or on the app. Follow, feel free. Uh, I encourage you to follow along. He's going to get to the topic. Paul's going to get to the topic of leadership. And I think this is a really important topic for us to listen to and kind of us to, to learn from and grow in because I think we are in the midst of a leadership crisis in our nation and not just our nation around the world. We really are. We are in a leadership crisis. How people see leadership, how we are responding to leadership has changed so radically and drastically over the last even 20 years that it's hard to even recognize it as the same thing. I mean, right now, our president is in this public war of words with four congresswomen of color, freshman congresswomen of color. They call, call themselves the squad, or the media calls them the squad, and I just got to tell you, the whole thing's embarrassing. It really is. It's embarrassing to see our national leaders conduct themselves like this. The comments that the president made—I just—I can't tell you how many times I just wished someone would steal his phone. You know, one of his grandkids or something. something, You know, it's—it's like in the movie Chef, where he doesn't know it's public. You know, you need to—that wasn't a private tweet you just sent. That's public. Everybody hears that. And of course, many of these congresswomen have said many things that are, to many Americans, offensive. And I, I want to say something about, about just our president. Sometimes people say, well, he's the problem, he started this. I want to suggest that's not the case. He actually is kind of a response. It's, he, is, he is this culmination of what's been going on for years. This growing animosity, this growing divide, this angry rhetoric back and forth one to another. People saying horrible things about one another. It's one thing to disagree over policy. It's one thing to critique someone's leadership ideas and things. It's another thing just to be ridiculous and slamming. And and this has been something that's been going on for years, long before our current president. But it's come to a place where it's out in the open now. I guess maybe that's what's happened. That's what's happened in recent years. It's all out in the open. It's not hidden anymore. It's ugly. It's ugly. And it just doesn't bode well for our leaders. I I can't tell you during the the Kavanaugh confirmation hearings for Supreme Court Justice, Brett Kavanaugh, how how embarrassed I was just by the conduct of those leaders. These are some of the brightest and best. And the way they dealt with truth or didn't deal with truth, the way they manipulated, the way nobody really cared about the truth, it didn't seem. It was just, I want to win. I want to win at all costs. And, And I grew up being taught that how you go about winning is every bit as important as winning because there's a lot of different games going on there's never just one game there's lots of games there's your character there's there's how you conduct yourself there's truth there's wisdom there's how you treat other people all those things matter and it was just embarrassing i, I couldn't i couldn't believe what i was seeing and it's not just politics it's not business leaders getting caught with their hand in the till or getting caught misusing their people or in compromising relationships. Entertainment. Entertainment icons who just, you're having your bubbles burst finding out what was going on behind the scenes. And I wish I could say ministry was exempt, but it's not. Last year, someone who I've really looked up to had a chance to be involved in relationship with and in some leadership things with, Bill Hybels. He was had to step down from his ministry. We still participate in what's called the Global Leadership Summit, but he can't be anywhere near it. His name can't be on anything. And I have had, in my leadership kind of growth, a great deal of respect for what he taught and what he stood for. And that was just, that's one of those things that was very difficult. It was very difficult. And I don't put anybody on a pedestal. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying one of the things that Bill talked about a lot was finishing well. And he was right, right? What he taught about, finishing well, was exactly right. And sadly, he's not going to have the opportunity to do that because of failures earlier in his career and in his ministry. And see, all this being, and of course, I've said this to you before, we have access to all the information all the time because of, of technology, the internet. We're able to follow this front row seat and get updates hourly. And what it's done is our view of leadership has just gone in the tank. People don't trust leadership. And I think there's a real problem that's developing. And so Paul talks about leadership. And, and I want you to kind of, if you can this morning, use fresh eyes to view what he's saying. Kind of, I, I know the lens of leadership can be somewhat tainted depend, depending on your experience or your background. But I want us to look at this with fresh eyes. Now last week we began remember we started with the first few verses and we talked about the why. Paul gave us I think the why for his ministry and for his letter to Titus. Why he does what he does. And he said, and we said, it's not enough for new believers to be born, they also have to grow. He wanted to see the believers grow to become something. We are a people who are becoming something. That's what Paul said. He wanted them to grow in their faith, their their belief in the reality of who God is and what he says and what he does. In knowledge of the truth, we saw how truth matters. He wanted them to grow in the hope of eternal life, to see this world through the lens of this isn't all there is, there's more. And then an understanding of the word of God and how important it is and how much it matters. And now we're going to go on and read his first assignment for Titus, a young pastor who Paul planted there as a leader in that ministry, on the Isle of Crete. And he says, beginning at verse 5, he says, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order. Pay attention to that. Put what remained into order. The implication is there was disorder. And we're going to see that's exactly the case. But Titus' assignment was to put it into order. How? Appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, he's describing now what you look for in an elder, a church leader. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He can't have a bad reputation and have these things hanging around that people are going, wait a minute, what about this, what about this, what about this? He needs to be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain. But, he's like, but instead he must be hospital, a lover of hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers, deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. He's talking about people who are part of the church, but who are what we call Judaizers. They were trying to tell all these Gentile believers they must follow all the Jewish law, including circumcision, including all these things, and that Christ is not enough. And Paul is telling Titus, you have to have people in place who can refute these people, because that's false teaching. He says, they must be silenced since they're upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Now, isn't that cool how Paul does that? He doesn't have to say it. This is where we get the idea. You know, you talk about calling someone a Cretan. Well, this is where it comes from. The biblical idea. And he's saying, one of their own said, they're liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. And then Paul comes along and says, this testimony is true. I'm not saying it. But the guy's right. He's saying, these people were, they were messed up. He's saying, there's a lot of disorder. He says, therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. He's talking about people within the context of the church who are not behaving like Christ followers. Help them grow. Help them become who they're supposed to be so that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. That's the assignment that Paul's given. Let me pray for us before we go on. Lord, thank you so much for your word. I pray that you would help us to hear. I pray that you would help us to respond in obedience. We love you. We want to be who you called us to be. We want to grow into the people that you created us to be. Lord, help us to hear and learn from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What Paul basically lays out here, and he also does it to Timothy, in the book of 1 Timothy, is the governance structure for the church. He's telling him, I want you to go and I want you to set up. And he says, go from town to town so it's to be local. It's not just one governing structure that kind of governs the whole island and it's from a distance. No, it's local and it's personal. I want there to be leaders, mature leaders in every church that help to bring order, help people to grow. This is the governance structure of the church. We find in the New Testament, we find elders, we find deacons. We're going to look at a passage where the first deacons were selected in just a minute. Those are people who worked with the elders, the elders delegated some authority to, and they were leaders in the church. And then we have the people, the body, the the people who are the church. That's the designations you have in the New Testament. And he's saying, what I need you to do is I need you to set up these structures in the context of the local church, these elders. Now, what he does is he gives qualifications. He says, I want you to look for certain people, and I want to really... I want to really understand here. Some people have taught that these qualifications for elders are not for all believers, but they're for elders. It's like, okay, if you're going to be an elder, then you're going to grad school, okay? You're going to be a PhD in Christianity, That's the wrong way to think of it. All he's doing is giving a description of a mature believer, of someone who is mature in the faith. These are things every believer is supposed to aspire to. The qualities, the character traits, the things he said about these leaders, it's for all of us. We all should be people who are growing in our character, in our leadership, in our ability to understand and teach the word. That's normal, healthy Christian growth. But what he's saying is when you go to look for these leaders here's the people you're to look from among these mature people
1: and we want to take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to reaching for real life with pastor sean ozaro a listener supported ministry of river city community church in this message called calling all leaders it's in the series the faith based on the book of titus which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue to help others just like you. Find the Give tab at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean.
2: River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. In fact, our mission is more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe we were made to have a life full of meaning and purpose that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts every area of our lives. River City is come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, inspirational worship, and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Matama Park. Our service times are Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15 and Mondays at 7 p.m. River City is a church for real life, and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life.
1: And now back to the message, Calling All Leaders. This is Reaching for Real Life.
2: I mean, there are more people who were qualified to be elders than were selected as elders, as there are in any church. But he's saying, when you select, select from among this group. And understand, like even here at River City, we have elders. Our elders have, have delegated leadership to leaders all over this fellowship. So we have leaders leading and doing the work of elders all over the fellowship. And that's what Paul is telling Titus they need to do. All believers are called to these levels of maturity and these kind of things. But we're all at different places in the journey. And he's saying, when you look for leaders, select this kind of mature leader now why this structure okay it's an interesting structure that the church sets up you you have these this plurality of leaders who are supposed to give oversight to what's happening in the context of the church and why not have everybody vote on everything why not have every person in the church i mean a lot of people go wait a minute we're all equal in christ why should there be any leaders why don't we all we can all hear the voice of the lord why don't we all just make all the decisions let me ask you any ever, ever been in a church that does that Anybody? Oh, I have. I'll tell you all about it. Thanks for asking. I wasn't gonna, but now I will. <laughs> no, if you've ever been in a ter- where where every little decision, everybody shows up for the business meeting, and it's every week, and so brother so and so brings up, well, we need to replace the carpet in the fellowship hall, and I've looked at these and here are some and then you have people start arguing over the color of carpet, and that's the illustration I always used, right? It's because it's true. It's true, and then people get this big thing and everybody's involved, and it's like that whole system, the whole everybody pure democracy, everybody voting on everything, that is not a biblical, that's not what the scripture describes. Another alternative is the the pastor, the senior pastor being the sole leader and making all the decisions. Now, I think that's a great idea personally seems you disagree (laughs) but there's places where that's the case there's places where you have that kind of central leader who's making all the decisions and who's leading and everybody just is kind of helping that leader with their assignment i think there's a reason that the scripture rejects both of those and advocates something different and by the way there are churches with all different kinds of structures there's ecclesiastical structures where it's a denominational office, and they plant the leaders, but everything's really under that denomination. It's kind of centrally located somewhere in the nation or even, you know, and they have different denominational offices. There's total congregational, all different kinds. This model of a plurality of leadership, I think, takes human nature into consideration better than any other. Here's the reality. The sole pastor model where he's making all decisions. He's the leader. You obviously laughed at that because you realize we've seen how that goes south and how that doesn't work. Because here's the problem. We know the idea that power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Right? And I'm not saying you, you could be the greatest person of prayer. You could be a man or woman of prayer who's just of the highest order. The fact is any one of us can get turned sideways on something. Any one of us can get down about something and start to look at things with a little bit of a color or a shade any one of us is susceptible none of us is perfect that's just the fact and so that model doesn't work because everything hinges on one person's ability to stay perfectly centered and we're just not wired that way The other alternative, every person voting and everything, if you're doing your job and you're reaching new people for Christ, which is what a church is supposed to do, make disciples, and you have baby disciples, young believers, new believers in Christ, um, they don't have any business making decisions about the church leadership yet. They're still growing and learning. They're brand new. That's why a plurality of mature leaders is a biblical model. The wisdom of it is that you don't have just one person. You have a plurality. But you don't necessarily have everybody. You choose a group of leaders who are mature, and you have those leaders be the oversight. And then you delegate, and then you have lots of leaders. But that's the idea behind the eldership. Now, you notice in the description, elders were men. Elders were men. Husband of one wife. All, All the references are to male. The question people ask, and I think it's a fair question, was this a cultural accommodation? Was this just because of the nature of the cultural understanding at the time? We A few weeks ago, we talked, we had Jamie share, we talked about how in the New Testament there were deaconesses, there were prophetesses, there were women in leadership, all kinds of women in leadership. So is was this a cultural accommodation, or is the idea of of, of, of eldership as the traditional orthodox understanding in the context of the church has been, is it looking back and heralding back to the eldership structure of israel which was a family which was a family modeling the role of spiritual fathers in the family because we understand there's a unique thing in the context of the family where god created a structure and a unique design and the church's family models that structure and our elders to be spiritual fathers and and people have very differing views on that good people on who love the lord And we study the scripture, have differing views on that. What I want to say is our desire and our goal is never to accommodate culture or to make ourselves happy. Our goal and our desire is to be true and to the scripture's teaching and to follow the scripture. We don't try to get the scripture to fit our desires. We try to match our practice, our teaching, our doctrine to what the scripture teaches. That's the way this works. Now, a question that comes up to people is why a structure at all? Why do you need a structure? We're all followers of Christ. Why do we have to have this structure? Why do there have to be leaders at all? And I want to suggest what Paul is pointing out to Titus and what we need to grasp is that a governance structure is critical anytime you get people together. Things like submission, authority, order, they matter. The idea of a free-for-all isn't helpful in the church. It's not helpful in a business. It's not helpful in any group with something to accomplish. And that's what Paul is pointing out to Titus. He's saying, here is how we're going to bring things into order. See, authority represents God's authority wherever you find it. Look what Romans chapter 13, 1 through 5 says. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. I don't like that passage. <laughs> I'm not the only one, it says. You do realize whether I like it or not is absolutely irrelevant. As a follower of Jesus Christ, I want to conform to his word. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. That's ridiculous. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I look at our current political structure, our current political leaders, that is ridiculous. I don't have to submit to them, do I? Well, seems we do. seems we do. Yeah, but they weren't, today, they weren't dealing with what we have to deal with. They were under the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was always just. <laughs> oh, wait. You might say, yeah, but, but I'm looking for a perfect leader that I can follow, one that's like me. Yeah, here's the deal. When God goes about choosing leaders, he doesn't have any perfect people to choose from. So every leader is imperfect. Just like you and just like me. That's it. And you go, but some seem to be way more imperfect. I know. I understand. And yet what's interesting is through scripture, God has even worked through ungodly, unrighteous leaders. That's why when I hear people speaking the way they speak about our president, it is wrong. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, stop it. And I want you to know, under our last president, President Obama, I said the exact same words it was wrong stop it because the word says to stop it now you can be bothered you can be angry you can want to smash the president's phone and I think that's a righteous thought okay that's fine but at some point you have to recognize I don't know why God did I don't understand why God did and you may love the president's policies you may love him. You may, think, you may think, man, I love what he's done for the economy. I like the way he does foreign affairs. I like the way he, his Supreme Court selections. Or you maybe can't stand him. Maybe you think, wow, those things are all really bad for the nation. What's funny is those aren't the things we're actually not talking about. We're talking about the Twitter battles. We're not actually talking about the substantive issues of policy. It doesn't matter what you or I feel about those things. Our last president, you may have loved what he did. You may have thought President Obama had the answers and did everything perfect. Or you may have thought, no, I don't like his solutions at all. I think he's taken us into the tank. It doesn't matter. What the scripture says is all authority is by, from God and that those exists have been instituted by God. And that there is no authority without him. And that is hard to swallow. But it seems like a lot of scripture is. Because what it does is it puts my flesh in check. But I want to put their flesh in check. I know. But when the Holy Spirit, through the word of God, speaks, he puts my flesh in check. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Ouch. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who's in authority? Then do what is good. You'll receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. And you're like, but wait a minute, what about ungodly, unrighteous? Again, Paul's writing under the Roman Empire. He's talking about something bigger here. God can work through even unrighteous and ungodly people, and he's done it all the time throughout history. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. He's talking about the enforcement that government has. If he were speaking in our day, he would talk about he doesn't have policemen, guns, prisons, enforcement. For he's the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. You see, authority is established by God and is an important part of living in a society, even imperfect authority. And that's just the biblical truth. See, here's the main point. I want you to write this down. God's gift to disorder is godly leaders. God's gift to the natural disorder of a sinful world and that you put a group of people together in any society together, you put a group of people into an office, any of you work with other people, you know what can happen when ungodly people start working together. Disorder. God's gift to disorder, to a world in disorder, is godly leaders. That's what Paul is presenting to Titus.
1: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series, The Faith, based on the book of Titus, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email that this program blessed you, or even better, your financial gift helps as radio ministry continue. Find the Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Reaching for Real Life is a service of River City Community Church. and We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life.